we'll st we're going to start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially let, help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we have a few uh, new people here, kind of early in recovery. And so uh, I always do a little review of what we're trying to do. Um, this book was written in 1939 to people who have a hopeless condition of mind and body. They couldn't stop drinking. If you, uh, if you can't stop doing what you don't want to do, this book is for you. And they, they had no way of living. They couldn't manage their lives, and they had a hopeless condition. But it wasn't hopeless because uh, God had given them the message in this book so that they could find him and by finding him, they would have a power, and that power would give them choice over drink or drugs or whatever it is. No God, no choice. And so this book is a treasure map to how you have a relationship with God, and it's God as you understand him. It doesn't have to be my version of God, but it has to be a power greater than you that can, that can work in your life. And, and AA defines God as that which is all power. So whatever is all power is God. It can't be half power, it has to be all power. And it can't be me. Is that pretty clear so far? And so uh, the steps are designed to destroy my self-centeredness, to block me from running my life and allow God to do it. And it's a process. And the first three steps are designed to break me down, to make me humble. <coughs> Have some water. Break me down and make me humble so that I can realize I can't do this. I have no power to keep me from drinking or using, and I could not manage my life successfully. And then all they're asking you to do, and we're at that part of the book now, is to believe that there's a power that can do this. Now, alcoholics have two problems. Only two? Two. Actually, they only have one problem. But it's manifested in three ways. The first way, when you, if somebody asks you why you're an alcoholic, you have no power to control how much you drink ever. We don't take one drink. We can't because we have an allergy to it. It makes us want to take a second drink. Anybody have that problem? The second thing we have is we know we shouldn't drink or use. We know it. And yet we do it. And we do something that we know is bad for us. But right before we do it, we don't think about what it's going to do to me, only for me. When you decide to drink again on the way to the liquor store, you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to wake up, and oh, I'm going to lose my job, and my wife's going to, no. You're only thinking about the relief from alcohol. If it's drugs, the relief from the drugs. You feel better knowing the pills are coming. And why is that? Because you're seeking relief from living separated from God. You can't uh, live in the world sober. So the real problem we have is that we can't live successfully sober or clean. 
our mind tells us we need to use or drink again. Now, why does it do that? Because the mind's been trained that when I don't like the way I feel, there's relief. And I need that relief. And once I seek the relief, nothing can stop me. Nothing can come between an alcoholic or an addict and their drugs or pills. No, it's not going to happen. And so that's a bad situation. Because once I use a drink, I'm, I'm done. And if I can't live sober and not do that, I'm screwed. Now, a lot of people will go through their whole careers as uh, alcoholics and never understand that. They keep thinking, I, I, I got a plan. I, I'm going to do differently. I'm going to do better. It, it, it's not possible. It's not possible. And why? Because we only have one problem, and he mentioned it. The one problem I have is that I live in a world where I have separated myself from God, and I have become God, and I run the world, and I watch the way the world's treating me and people are reacting to me and I'm getting what I want or I think I need. And when you live that way, three things happen. You have constant fear, and you're angry all the time, and you make a lot of bad decisions. And then you have shame and guilt. And that's called conscious separation from God. And I, what I need is conscious contact. Now, consciously, that means my, I'm a, I, I'm a, I, I consciously effort separate myself from God. Now, I lived my whole life that before I came here. I didn't even realize I was doing it. Because I had a delusion. I had this idea in my head that was not true. But it, it, it determined my whole life that I could wrest happiness and satisfaction out of life if I just managed well. If I just managed my life well, everything would be okay. If I could just become a doctor, mother would love me. I mean, it sounds crazy, but or I would get approval. I was looking for approval from the world to feel okay. Uh, our founder, Bill W., wanted to be a success. He wanted to prove to everybody he was okay. He couldn't just be Bill and be okay. And so um, that caused me to manage the world. And when I managed the world, I didn't feel good because it doesn't go right. And that's why we take the third step that we want God to be our director and not me. Then steps four through nine is how do I unblock myself and my mind so that God can work in my life? And then I use those tools in steps 10 and 11, so I live in a relationship with God every day, not perfectly, but I know when I'm separated, I don't feel good. And I've learned that if I want to be undisturbed and be at peace and just be okay, I go back to God. Now, my whole life, I just wanted to be okay. I didn't realize that. And now, okay is good. I, w I get a little bored now because I'm going to be 73, and. You know, uh, it's just the two of us here in town. We don't have family. And, and uh, sometimes I get bored in the afternoon. So last night I said, you know, my whole life I ran around. I had so much responsibility. I always had to get something done. And now I don't have anything that I have to worry about at all, unless I want to. And that's great. But I only have that if through God in the steps. Because I could be alone and have nothing to worry about, and I could find plenty. 
Anybody relate to that? And I could find things to stew about and fear and anger, and I don't do that anymore. I don't have that. I have, I have a lot of peace. And so that's what this book is all about. How do I find a way? Now, the promises for those who've been to other meetings are read at every meeting, and people chant, and you know, they sing hallelujah after them. Those are just the, really, the, the promises that happen if I'm in the world of the Spirit, if I'm with God. But they can go away. They're not permanent. And, and uh, to keep that, to keep that relationship with God requires work. But if you're new, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And so you have to start, and I suggest you go through the book with someone, and you can listen to the podcast on the site, and it'll take you through it. And by the time you get to page 88, you will have a relationship with God. Now, we don't want to be in recovery. We want to be recovered. And recovered is a fragile state in which I'm not dominated by the desire to use or drink. And I have a power in my life so that that isn't the dominating, dominating my life. And I can live in peace and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to use or drink today. And I've been given a power to see the truth about it. So if it comes to mind, I can say, no, bad idea. But I don't get that power to say bad idea myself. It comes from God. Now, if you don't have a relationship with God, you will use or drink again. I mean, some people may not. I can't say 100%. But if you're an alcoholic, you'll drink again. If you're an addict, you'll use again. Now, some people stay sober just on willpower, and, and they like to celebrate their coins. And their sobriety is very important to them. But what we're talking about in AA is not physically being sober, emotionally sober. Being able to be uh, uh, stable in terms of how I react to the world so that the world doesn't dominate me. It says love and tolerance is our code of living. And my tolerance means that no matter what somebody says or do, I don't have to be bothered by it. And so we're on page 50 today, 51, and we're in We Agnostics, which is the chapter about our relationship with God and uh, why we need God is in the first uh, four chapter, three chapters in the doctor's opinion, and now they're talking about God. And so the book from this point on, from page 44 on, is about God. It's not about drinking or using. And it's about how we find that relationship. And we ended up with Columbus. And um, actually, I'm going to review, and I always do that, uh, on page 50, I want to read these two paragraphs. And they're talking about how we're agreed, everybody should be agreed on one proposition, that God has accomplished the miraculous. And it says, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed, and when they wrote the book, it was 100 people. But I, I, I can agree with what they're saying here, and maybe others can too. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater themselves, they just have to believe and to take a certain attitude towards that power that he's God and I'm not, and to do certain simple things, the steps, there's been a revolutionary change in my way of living and thinking. It's a revolutionary change. I'm not totally self-centered all the time. That's a miracle. 
and I'm thinking about God and what I can do for others and how I can be of service. And when I see a situation, if I'm seeing it wrong, I say, Michael, you're seeing it through self-centered eyes. Change your glasses. In the face of collapse and despair, anybody have collapse and despair when they came in? Any of you guys having it now? In the face of total failure of human resources, my power, I had totally failed. And when I gave up, I didn't choose to give up. The day I gave up, I was given up. I, I, was, I was surrendered, and I saw that there was no way out of this. And, and I had a sense of relief. I got down on my knees. I said, God, please help me. And I felt better because I'd given up. And then I felt like, well, I don't have to fix this. In the face of total failure, they found that a new power, peace, and happiness and a sense of direction flowed into them. That's what that happens. We find that there's a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flows into them. That's what happened to me. And it's still happening. It, it, it gets, the more you do it, the more power, peace, and happiness you get. And, and, and um, this happens soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. So it's not going to, if you don't meet the requirements, it's not going to happen. And where are the requirements? To take the action of the steps, to seek God with everything you have, to get a sponsor to take you through the book. If you're new, get a sponsor. Make sure it's somebody who's done this through the book. That's what I recommend, because these are the directions that work. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, and I was baffled. It just, how did I get where I was? And I still had a lot, you know, I still had a job, and I looked okay, but my life was a mess. Full of fear. Anybody who was full of fear when they came in? They show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. I was making heavy going of life. Life wasn't heavy going to me. Leaving aside the drink questions, we're not talking about the drugs and the alcohol. They tell why living was so unsatisfactory. It was never, I could never quite manage the world well enough that I was okay. I could have a good day or two, right Dick? A few hours few weeks, but there was always something that would come up and it could be trivial. And then I'd start to stew or I'd get worried. Leaving, uh, they show how the change came over them so we didn't have to have an unsatisfactory way of life. And that's what the book is telling you. How can you have the change? If you don't change, nothing's going to happen. It has to be a complete change. When many hundreds of people are able to say, and here it is, the consciousness, my awareness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of my life. And that wasn't always true. It was me. I was the most important fact of my life. Anybody else that way? But when now it's the presence of God is the most important thing. I wake up, I immediately pray. I listen to scripture every morning. I'm trying to constantly stay in relationship with my higher power. And when I don't feel good, I know I've just, I've just drifted away. I've got to get back. And I have the tools that I learned doing this. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. So uh, that's what we're supposed to do in AA. We're supposed to be examples 
of the consciousness of the presence of God today, so someone who's new will want what I have and what they had and what Stu has or Tava has. Now here's where they talk about Columbus. The, this world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. So the people were pretty smart that didn't have toilets. You get it? And, and they, didn't, they didn't have, uh, you know, they, their lives were pretty, pretty uh, different than ours today. And that's just, you're just talking 300 years ago. But they were as smart as us. But it says, in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research invention was almost unknown. In, f in fact, what was the problem? In this material world, men's minds were fettered by superstition. They had superstition. They were told certain things, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Now, I had to let go of all my old ideas. Have you ever heard that right in a meeting? We must let go of all of our ideas, absolutely, or the result is nil. What old idea did I have? That I was God, that I could manage the world, that I could take care of things. I had so many old ideas. In fact, uh, one of the things you learn in AA is not what you're right about, it's what you were wrong about. And I was wrong about a lot of stuff. I still am. I like it when I'm wrong. I call Stu, I say, I was wrong about that. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth was preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. Now, Columbus is an example of recovery and the process to be recovered. So uh, Columbus did not want to go east. He didn't want to go around South uh, Africa. It was a long way. And he thought he could go west. Now, they had maps of the world that showed the end of the world. If you went, if you went west, you died. You fell off the world. Now, he thought he could go west to get there. Now, nobody knew that. But he was willing, willing to do that. Then he believed he could do it. He had to believe he could do it. And then he made a decision to do it. And he went to the Queen of Spain and she gave him the ships. And he decided she gave him the ships and he made a decision to do it. Now, where was he when he did that? He was in Spain. He hadn't done anything. So those are the first three steps that we have to be willing to change, believe we can change, and decide to change. But he got in the ships. And now remember, there were three ships, and he was in the last ship, because he wanted to see if they went over. And he put the special guy in the first ship who could see the best, so that they could know if he saw the end. And then they took off. Took a lot of courage. Takes a lot of courage to do the steps. But he took the action. And guess what? He hit land. Now, he didn't know where he was. But he knew he didn't go to the end of the world. And so he went back to the queen. And when he went back, 
he had faith and trust. In AA, we start out believing in God, that there is a power, but when we do the actions, we have trust and faith. Now, I have trust and faith in God. I know if I ask God to remove my fear and direct my attention to how I be, he will do it. If I ask God to remove my anger, uh, save me from being angry, direct, tell me how I should be and do your will, it'll happen. If I ask God for forgiveness and to remove my shame and guilt and make amends, it'll happen. I know it. If I'm disturbed about something and I say, God, I'm seeing it wrong, please, just take away whatever character defect it is and help me see it, get undisturbed, it happens. Now, if I don't ask, nothing happens. So then when he went back, he knew there was land. And that's the process of change, willing, willingness to change. And why do we alcoholics addicts become willing to change? Anybody remember? It's a four-letter word. Pain. pain. Anybody have pain when they come in here? I don't want to forget how painful it was. That's why the first step you have to live all the time. You don't want to forget how bad it was. You don't want to forget it. You never want to forget it. Now, everybody should have a moment of defeat. If you do, write down the date, write down the time, when you completely gave up. And then AA and coming to meetings is where you keep that alive. That's why it's good to go to meetings and say you're an alcoholic or addict, because you keep alive that moment of defeat. And, and I didn't want to live in pain anymore, so I believed that I could change, because I saw it. I knew people who had, who had come here and done this, and they had changed. And so I believed it. Then I made a decision to change. I decided that God was going to be my director. And then I took the actions of the steps, and my life has changed. And my life has changed so much more than it did 20-some years ago. I couldn't have imagined the changes. And I'm not perfect, but I, I have more peace and serenity than I had before. And I'm quicker to see where I'm wrong. Who wouldn't want that? That's it. Those are the dominoes that change. Now, if you, if you have the first domino and it takes you a year to get to the second domino, nothing's going to happen. You're going to drink or use. So you want to do it quickly. And I get a lot of people into the fourth step and then they start screwing around. They don't want to do it. And then I realized, you know what their problem was? It wasn't that they didn't want to do the fourth step. They hadn't taken their first step. They didn't have the desperation of a drowning man. They didn't see that unless I do this and get that relationship with God, I'm screwed. Now, you could tell them that, but that won't do any good. It has to come from in here. And so uh, that's the mistake I've made. I've tried to get people working the steps who hadn't taken their first step. And then they always get mad at you when you put pressure on them to do something. And I've been fired quite a bit, haven't I, Stu? Yeah. <laughs> I get fired a lot because I believe in this, and if you don't want to do it, fine, don't do it. It's your life. You see, they're not my patients. I'm not writing a cancer care plan for the people who knew I was a cancer doctor. They're not people coming to me who are desperate, and I'm giving them a care plan, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get better. We have a care plan. The book is the care plan, but a lot of people don't want to do it because they can't see that they've got an advanced cancer and they're not going to make it.
Now, if I told my patients that really had bad cancers and we really had no power to fix them, that if they read 88 pages and they did everything in this, their cancer would go away. You think they would take them two months to do it? You see what I mean? And because they had that gift of desperation. And the problem with our disease is it tells us we're not desperate. We're desperate for a week. And then we say, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. You know, this guy will never stop talking. I'm sure some of you are saying that. And, you know, that's just the way it is. It's a disease. It's very few people make it. And the people who make it are not because they're better than the people who don't make it. It's just that they had the gift of desperation and they seek God and God gives them the power. Anybody can recover, but few do because we, the disease tells us we don't need to do it. And so that was the review from the last few weeks. So now I'll read a few more paragraphs. So we asked ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? So that's old ideas. And, and my old ideas, I need, don't need to do the four step. Or I don't need to do it now. I don't need to do it right away. I don't need to pray every day. Here's a good one. I'll tell him, call me every day. And they'll say, well, he doesn't really mean every day. You know, I'll call him. I'll call him once a week. You see how it works? Or, or come to two meetings a week. No, I don't need two meetings. You see how it is? And, and we do it without even thinking about it. So when uh, the Wright brothers were Kitty Hawk, uh, people had proven that you couldn't fly a plane. You get it? But yet there were reporters there who saw it and they were afraid to publish that they had actually flown in the air. And had not people said God had reserved the privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost an old story. Now, remember this book was written in 1939. The guy had just uh, flown across the ocean, which nobody thought that they could do. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Anybody turn on your phone and you go on the internet and you think it's going to work? Isn't that amazing? It's in the air somewhere. You know. Show any longshoreman a sudden supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, he will say, I bet they do it, maybe not so long either. And I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, they were just going up in the, uh, the Mercury program, I think it was. And you know, I remember when uh, Shepard went up in space and uh, the monkey had done it, but they didn't know if Shepard could do it. And uh, that was, we watched it on TV, can you imagine? Black and white, I might add. I'm old. My, like my granddaughter says, I'm real old. It's not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new. And that's true today. Now here's the key. We had to ask ourselves, so if you're an alcoholic, ask yourselves why you shouldn't apply to your problem your human problem of alcoholism or addiction or not being able to live, the same readiness to change your point of view. If you're here and your life's a mess, are you willing to change your point of view 
and do this? Are you willing to go to any length? Now, they're asking us a series of questions. Are you having trouble with personal relationships? Anybody have relationship problems? When you come in or now, you couldn't control your emotional natures. Any emotional nature people here? Anybody get angry, get upset, act out? Pray to misery. Anybody? Pray means that you, you're, you're being killed by it. To misery and depression. Anybody depressed? Now, alcoholics should all be depressed because our life is a mess. If you come in here and you're not depressed, there's something wrong with you. Now, we're not talking about clinical psychiatric depression. We're talking about self-centered depression from not getting your way, things not going the way you want. She threw me out of the house. She doesn't understand. What's wrong with her? You know, you're drunk all the time. You cheat on her, all this stuff. See, we're, we're a mess. Couldn't make a living. People have trouble working. We had a feeling of uselessness and full of fear. That was me. I was so afraid. Everything that was going to happen was going to be bad. Anybody else like that? And I still have some of that. If something's going to change, it's not going to be okay. Just getting rid of DirecTV and getting YouTube TV was a big deal for me. I was afraid, oh, I'm used to the remote. And, Oh, and I can't change the channels as quick, and this and that. Now, I'm used to YouTube. I said, why did it take me so long? Anybody ever wonder why it takes you so long? Fear. But the fear I had here was the fear that, just overwhelming fear, uh, uneasiness, restless, anxious, unhappy, any unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. It's not a basic solution of these bedevilments. That's where we get the word bedevilment. More important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight. Of course it was. So what they're saying here is if you have these problems, nothing should be more important than finding the power that can save them, solve them. And that means you have to let go of all your old ideas. And with the desperation of a drowning man, you reach up for the flimsy reed, which is this program in Steps of Recovery, and it becomes the hand of God. And that's on page 28. And then I'm going to finish with this, this powerful paragraph. When we solve others, so when you come to AA and you see others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, that's all it is. We had to stop doubting the power of God. So I hope if you're new, you realize that there is a solution. It's not you. It's from doing this, and it's God working in your life. Our ideas did not work. The God idea did. And that's the deal. But the idea of God won't help you unless you do the actions to make God conscious in your life. And to do that, you have to break down your self-centered living. And you really have to move from one world where I'm the center of it to God's world, the real world, where he's the center. Now, to get out of my world, I had to take the first three steps. And I was ready. Steps four through nine, where I'm, I'm, I'm facing and be rid of the things that are blocking me from God's world, when I do that, I enter into his world. 
It says on page 84, step 10, we've entered the world of the spirit. So if you're new here and you're in your world and you want to get to the real world where God's the center and he, you have his power, do everything up to page 84. So I think I'll start with that. I hope it was helpful.